Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make Yes, it's time for Blog Talk Radio at the Catch. Again, it's uh, Tuesday night, and uh, we're here uh, with a new guest for you to meet, and I'm excited to introduce you to him, and I'm excited to have you here with us. Um, This is part of uh, the Catch Ministry, and if you want to find out more about us, you can go to Catch John Fisher. Dot live, and uh, uh, you'll kind of tune in there and find out a little bit more about what we're doing. I write a blog every day, and uh, but it's much more than that. We've got uh, a lot going on. We've got church on Sundays. We've got uh, uh, prayer gatherings. We have prayer warriors. We've we've got um, uh, special vanguard meetings, and then then we have this event, which is one of my favorites. I get to introduce you uh, to some of my favorite people I've gotten to know over the years. And uh, uh, this, uh, we always seem to want to talk about life in the marketplace, real life as we live it every day. How does that fit with our faith? That's our big subject. Um, And uh, we'll never exhaust it. And that's why I, I love this half hour that we uh, we do with you. So uh, to, tonight is no exception because I get to introduce you to an old friend who uh, I've known for probably 40 to 50 years. I don't know. We go back to the Jesus movement. And uh, <laughs> um, this is, uh, I want you to meet a former pastor at, um, oh dear, Fuller, what what was the name of that church? <laughs> Even Evangelical Bell Productions. No, <laughs> Evangelical Free Church in Fullerton. Yeah. Evangelical Free Church in Fullerton, made famous but by. But they do take. They, yeah. They yeah, do yeah, take yeah. offerings still, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we met uh, in Santa Barbara back in the late, well, early seventies, John. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so, seventy-one. Um, so, please welcome to Blog Talk Radio, my good friend John Coulomb. Uh, John, as a matter of fact, I want you to go back there, and uh, we've already been on one talk show today, but I I want you to retell the story because uh, you know life life is full made for stories, and this is one uh, this is one that needs to be told. Uh, uh, over and over again and, and before you tell it Let me tell everybody A little bit about the song That's in this story Because <laughs> it was the first song uh, in, in my very first album Recorded in 1969 Called The Cold Cathedral And in, in this song If you don't know about it um, it's, it's, 
it's a story of a young man who walks into a cold cathedral. It's a it's a cold, lifeless kind of New England is what I'm thinking church. And uh, uh, he walks in and he's basically crying out for someone to be real with him. Some someone who will care for him, someone who is alive, who he can touch, someone who's real. And uh, that's really the course of the whole song. It does not resolve itself. It just leaves it hanging Mm -hmm. there with this guy uh, uh, singing in this church. Does does any, can anybody hear me? Can any, do Mm -hmm. I matter? Um, Mm -hmm. So you take it from there, John. (laughs) Well, I was a young fledgling youth pastor and uh, in Southern California and um, one Sunday morning, I was in my office before going over to teach the high school kids, and um, one of the students comes to my office crying, and he says, John, there's a dead man out in the middle of the aisle. And uh, I went out there, and sure enough, a 27-year-old young man had come in and, and taken a gun to his mouth and uh, was lying there uh, dead. And um, needless to say, it was um it shook everyone up um i'm going to throw this in just because this was the reality of it and um the police were there but the coroner had not yet arrived and uh the one of the leaders of the church said we need this body out of here we have a service at 11 o'clock now that would go without saying Oh my. And it was the first Sunday, but get this. I mean, just talk about adding insult to injury. It was the first day of missions month. Oh. And uh, they got the body out before 11 o'clock. There was a sheet over the carpet which was stained red. And uh, one of the leaders said, I want this carpet changed first thing tomorrow morning. And I said to the leader, I said, are you sure we want to so quickly forget this? Not a mention of anything like that in the morning service. Mm. Not a mention, John. I and wow. I um, I wow. was uh, beside myself. In fact, I have to say that part of me died that day to um, huh. the formal church that can't acknowledge reality and and wow. the pain that uh, Jesus feels <laughs> and we're supposed to feel. It's called compassion. And um, so anyway, we were doing a youth activity. This had been on the books for months that we were going to get together on Saturday, have all the kids come. We had enough 8-millimeter cameras to go with each car. Now, you realize that's without sound. And you run 25 feet of film, then you turn it over and run the other 25 feet of film. You've got 50 feet of film that lasts about three minutes. And I told the kids, we want you to all get into groups, get into a car, and we want you to go film a story that tells the truth or it's a Bible story, something that would reveal truth uh, to the, our youth group. And one of the groups thought, what went through that man's mind as he walked into our church on that chilly Sunday morning hmm. to take his life? And so that's what they filmed. Now, mind you, no sound. And so the film was... They got this man. You only see the back of 
of person walking into the room, walking over to, believe it or not, it was the Louis XIV table from Versailles with a big, huge Bible on it. Hmm. And he, he comes in, and, and, and the sun was coming in that it made it really ethereal, really moody. And he's looking at the Bible, and then you can see him just kind of close it and and go into the sanctuary, the door that he did go into, this young man, to take his life. And as the doors were closing, that's when they turned the film around, which you'd get all these spots. You remember when the dots, yeah. da, 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 and yeah. then you're back to the film. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, and then uh, they filmed um, a scene down at the beach where someone was kicking a four laws booklet out of the sand, you know, like, you know, uh, it's buried. Uh, the gospel is buried. And then it went back to the church and it caught a dove flying up from the ground to uh, up by the steeple to where there was a, a huge loudspeaker, a four-way cone type thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the and um, the the week that they were going to do the Academy Awards and show this to the youth group, all the groups were going to show their film. Uh, your film, your your album had come out, Cold Cathedral. Wow. And uh, one of the kids found the album and said, John, this will work. We'll play this record <laughs> while oh. this movie is showing. And Cold Cathedral, one morning, walked yeah. into a chilly room and had a notice. <laughs> oh. Wow. There, were, there yeah. were lonely people there who didn't show it. Yeah. Please help me, and and basically I'm going to die. Yeah. And and then the last song was got a shot about it. Is that dove is flying yeah. to the speakers? Got a shot about it. Got to tell about my God, He's so real. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as we showed that movie that night, crude as it was, no sound on an eight millimeter with a record yeah. player next to it, the kids <laughs> began to weep because the message got to them. Mm. And here we are. What this is? That was 1971, and this is 2024, yeah. and it still moves me. And John, it was that year that we took the travel camp and took these 80 young people to Peninsula Bible Church as part of it. We had gone up to Canada, came down, spent the weekend with you guys at Peninsula Bible. Dave Roper was our our point guy. And God changed all of our lives through all of these experiences. You wrap them up together, and it was a new beginning for me. I was hungry. And that's, and I actually went back and got fired, <laughs> so, which was a godsend, which took us to yes. Santa Barbara. So anyway, yeah. I probably talked about a little too much and too much detail. No, no. People who know me will say, oh, I know what you're talking about. But anyway, um, that's Lord use it to move us into a new, whole new um, new covenant type church. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was Baptist. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. So anyway, yeah. that's 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 the story. And your music has not lost the touch because you that was your first album, John. And yeah, you continue to write real stuff, gritty stuff, theological stuff that motivated Christians who merely wanted to sit and think, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, 
you went on from, you know, from that to uh, work in, in other churches. And then, of course, you spent you know, most of your time there in uh, uh, at EV Free. Now, wasn't that where uh, Chuck Swindoll was for so many years? Yeah, we we worked. We had a great team. I worked with Chuck for six years, hmm. six of the thirty-one years, and uh, it was a oh man, it was an incredible opportunity to meet these brothers and sisters to team okay. with because even though we were all so stinking different from each other, yeah, we were on the same page. We could argue well. And learn from each other, bring our traditions, and put them in the pot, and see what the Lord would stir up. And uh, yeah, it was. It was. I was. Yeah. I came to be <clears throat> to do three things. One was senior adults, older adults. Um, Santa Barbara. We were there 17 years, and I did youth, and then we moved into the arena of family right. ministry. Right. So that was kind of uh, <clears throat> the background. And. Uh, then to to go and work with older adults, uh, motivating them to not just retire, but to keep growing and to not get settled down too soon. And then I also had Lion Tamers Anonymous, our chemically dependent, codependent folks, and really celebrate recovery uh, came out of that. Uh, and we realized we don't need to do that anymore because churches started to pick it up. Uh, used some of our materials and resources, and then created their own. And then I was also with uh, we. I was <laughs> my new members. I was a brand new member myself. They thought that would be good because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about the church, and so I would probably be best to explain who we are <laughs> and <laughs> some of the downfall of being a new member and uh, getting people integrated and involved. And then after a while, we just focused totally on senior adults, and I moved into being more inclusive and making it intergenerational because uh, we wanted to bring the generations together. So that's kind yeah. of our, our story journey. Well, we, you know, it's amazing how we're, we're, we all are, we're so interrelated, you know, because uh, yeah. uh, I, I believe, I'm not sure about this, and you you may have heard this or not, but uh, I always I thought I heard that Chuck Schwindall was one of Stedman's first, you know, disciples. Oh, he was. Yeah. You know who he was? He he was teamed with the newbie, no. Luis Palau. Chuck and oh. Luis were there together oh. as interns. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yeah, wow. that's definitely before my time. But uh, wow, yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you know, and. Just, and and he would often quote Ray. Uh, in fact, when I first came, we did a senior Sunday, and I brought Ray Stedman down and uh, began to see what a godly man he was. Uh, he, he was a warrior, a yeah. gentle warrior, and uh, <laughs> yeah. with truth as well as grace. Yeah. Well put. Yeah, he, he, he was he, – he's the most unassuming um, – of of influential people that I know of, uh, I, or my whole life, and we, we used to joke that he basically looked like a used car salesman, you know. And, right. Uh, right. Uh, uh, and and he and he speaks 
uh, you know, he, he just speaks very matter-of-factly. And the only way I could explain seeing and hearing him Sunday after Sunday is that you go to church, you, you, you'd hear him speak. One thing you'd know is that the message would be printed up <laughs> by the next yeah. Sunday. And that was really good oh, yeah. because he had so much stuff in there. You could never possibly get it all down in the first hearing. It was a commentary so, as well as a motivating yeah, sermon. Yeah. Exactly. But this is the thing. When we all agreed about this, it, it was like on your way home or a little later on that afternoon that something in that message would just explode in your head, you know, or in your heart. Yeah. You know, you it, yeah. it, it had a it, it kind of had a after effect because it just took so long to for you to realize God, i i just realized what he actually said what he just said i can't believe he got away with that well you know, that kind of, and, and part of it john was that he had already worked it through his life he um he was unassuming he was brilliant but he was humble and i i remember one of the great things that uh, being part of fullerton was Whenever we'd have guest speakers like Ray, we'd have them, we'd get the whole staff together for Q&A time. And I remember uh, we brought Ray over after we did the senior Sunday to our house, and he was going to stay with us and uh, spend the night before he went back um, to Central, Central California or Northern California, I guess you call it. Uh-huh. And uh, we were we were sitting there, and the guys were just giving him question after question and he was waxing well and we were just sitting at his feet and of course he was in his 80s late 80s and he all of a sudden he stands up so he said uh, john where's my bed <laughs> i pointed at him and he went to bed and we yeah. were all looking at each other like we're not done yet but he was he had he was. flown down that day he was tired he had preached that night he had spent time with us and he was going to bed so, anyway, I loved it. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you know, a guy is secure when he can. And Chuck was there. You know, it was just, you know, he wasn't going to try and impress anyone. Just no, that's no, what it was. No. He needed his sleep. And those guys, those guys are also real. You know, that Dave Roper yeah. and Ron Ritchie and and those guys all. I I got the advantage of going on some trips with them, and uh, though you know, two and three days maybe at a at a Christian college, something like that. And uh right. I, I tell you, you get all that group together, um, and they're like they're worse than junior high kids. I mean they oh, those yeah. guys those guys they get they, kicked they out of restaurants. To, yeah, the, well they had that and they had to pay they, they had to pay for the furniture they ruined in people's homes. <laughs> <laughs> You know that it's the team works if if they're that rowdy when when yeah. they're relaxed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. And the classic story was the time they they, they were all they were driving around in the car. There were about five of them, and uh, and 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 they were they were joking, and I don't know what it was, but they were really got irritated at Ray, and so they just stopped the car and kicked him out and drove off. <laughs> 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 just I, left him there by the road for, and I, you know, sure they came back, but <laughs> they were like that. They no. were like that together. It was a uh, quite a deal for a guy like me who'd been through all this straight laced Christianity. You know, 
to be around something that real uh, was so healing. Really, it really was. And wow. But you know, John, it rubbed off on you. It rubbed <laughs> off on you because yeah. your music, your music didn't hold punch. I mean, you didn't pull punches. Hmm. You you let it fly, even though you might be misunderstood. Um, and it was truth. You it was a prophetic voice. It was a prophetic uh, group of lyrics, and even the music thumping away at the things yeah. that uh, were causing us to back away from our, well, our role as as followers yeah. and uh, light makers. Thank you yeah. so much. It's yeah. Uh, that's we could we could. Uh, do keep going like this forever, but I, I really do want to get to talking about what you're doing now, and get to talking especially because we're, you know, we talk about how we're intertwined. Uh, you're talking intergenerational ministry. Well, that's exactly where we're going now too. So uh, I'd like to hear uh, tell a little bit about the uh, ministry that you have going to grandparents, and then talk to us a little bit. Uh, about retirement and you know what sure. happens in these last stages of our lives and 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 how do we how do we uh, get people you know, motivated you know um, when 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 it there's so much pressure to to just tell yourself well I'm done now I, I did yeah. I did it I'm through I'm finished you know so tell I, well, I know that's a big question but. <laughs> Well, if we're breathing, if we're breathing, we still have yeah. purpose. Yeah. And um, I was sharing in the podcast we were doing earlier today of of uh, little Christine Matthews, who was in a ret- nursing home, couldn't get out of bed. We, she looked like a skeleton. She was. I could lift her with one arm. Um, and she said to me one day, "Why am I still here? Why can't I go?" And I said, Christine, remember when you signed up to be a prayer partner for me and my family? And I said, you know, I want to thank you so much for uh, your willingness to uh, commit to that. And she said, oh, Pastor John, I do pray for you and the family every day. And, and uh, you know, she had purpose. There was another, Grandma Lil, who in the last five years of her life uh, could not leave her home because of just weakness and cancer. She'd sit in her chair and her, every week she'd call all the people who were struggling with cancer and pray with them. And there was another lady in a nursing home who was, you you couldn't touch her without her feeling immense pain. But when I would go visit her, um, I had to wait so often because nurses would be going in and asking her to pray with them or to give her counsel, give them counsel. And um, she, had, she was such a light in that place. And when she died, that whole nursing home, all the nurses and medical people especially were grieving because she had impacted their life while lying in a room for years and years and years. Oh. So, um, you know, they, we do need each other. We get bored with each other, or with our own kind, I should say. Mm-hmm. Young people get bored with each other of their own peers, so do older people. And when we stop learning and start uh, reaching into each other's lives, then, well, as a friend said, when your memories exceed your dreams, then life's over for you. 
And uh, that's true. We've got to keep dreaming and hoping. That's a key part of our faith of knowing what's coming so we can hang on during this season, no matter how tough it is. But, um, yeah, the last five, uh, actually the last 10 years of our ministry, I've proposed to the leadership that I'd like to uh, have a new job, not job description, but a new title. Just give me a new title. I'll, I'll do what I've always done, but we're going to be more inclusive. And then I want to be the intergen pastor. And he said, what does that mean? I said, well, we're just going to bring the generations together. I said, I don't want the young people serving the older people. I don't want the older people serving the younger people. I want the younger, older people serving the younger, older people. I want us to do it together. We, you know, let's share conversation. And we'll know that we were successful if those young people are at the grave when we bury those older people and wow. vice versa. Wow. And, um, and we did. And, um, and well. during that time, uh, we got involved with Larry Fowler of Legacy Coalition. Larry was dreaming about a new ministry for grandparents, you hmm. know, intentional Christian grandparenting and, um, uh, our mutual friend Wayne Rice was part of that. John Trent was part of that. Uh, Stephen mm-hmm. Valerie Bell, um, Ken Canfield, and we gathered back at Awana headquarters in Chicago uh, for 48 hours and talked about would the Lord want us to begin this venture together? And there was a lot of prayer involved in it as well. And Legacy Coalition was formed. That was about eight years ago now. Wow. And uh, we have just been, <laughs> it's very emotional to see what God has done through uh, a group of people in the back of a pickup virtually, letting God take over and uh, serve him and watch this ministry grow. And we realize that uh, there's a whole workforce out there that normally go to sleep we, we were putting to sleep at night just watching TV in their rocking chairs. Mm-hmm. And there's, they need to start with their own living room, with their own adult children who maybe have rejected mm-hmm. the faith because it was not authentic. It's where we need to ask for forgiveness and for the things that we did that misrepresented what this God mm-hmm. is like and who he is. And then to reach into the the lives of our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, or if they're grandchildren who don't have grandparents, move into that surrogate role. And uh, to be there to begin to share our life, our wisdom, our resources um, with the generations, starting with our own home and family. Wow. Wow. Well, what uh, can you can you tell us in a nutshell what the legacy does now and and what you know what it, it what? continues to grow. Uh, legacy Coalition uh, puts on an annual summit. We just did our last one at Tony Evans Church in in Dallas. It's Jesus's church. Tony preaches there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh we've been did a lot down in Jacksonville, Alabama as well. Um and we did one at E B Free Fullerton. Um uh, the first one was at Chuck's church seven, uh-huh. eight years ago at Frisco, uh-huh. Texas. And uh seminars, um main sessions 
where we would just challenge the people to the discoveries that we made that God was very vocal in talking about grandparenting. We just didn't pick it up. When it mm-hmm. says children's children, children yet to be born. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. When the word grandparent only appears, you know, two or three times as a word, that you've got generations throughout the scripture. And you've mm-hmm. got the word, well, Psalm, Psalm 78. Um, Teach these things to your children and your children's children and the children yet to be born, so they will not be like you, <laughs> a stubborn, <laughs> stiff-necked generation. Wow. And what God is asking us to do is to not produce carbon copies of ourselves, but rather Xerox, better than the original, because we don't want our kids and grandkids to have to learn everything by experience like we did. It's, a, it's expensive and it's painful. So if they could pick up from us wisdom and be impressed, not depressed with our God, you know, we could change the world. We estimate, guesstimate, there are probably 30 million Christian grandparents out there. Hmm. So why is our world not changing? And I, hmm. I really feel, John, that um, more Important than a preacher pointing his finger saying you need to walk with Jesus in these later years of life, the better impact comes from our grandchildren looking at us and saying, hey, Papa, uh, you want me to go to church? You want me to read the Bible? You want me to follow Jesus? How's that working for you? (laughs) (laughs) And we have seen people's lives turned around when all of a sudden they realize they're reflectors. And they need to model the goodness of our great God in their face, in their actions, in their activities. Wow. And, um, you know, to to begin to grow in their faith, not settle down and let the next generation take over. No. It's a time to go in and conquer the land for, for the gospel, with the gospel. And wow. it's getting darker and out there. And I don't think you have to convince anyone that our world is changing our world is turning and as the evil forces are at work so are the spiritual forces who sit at the right hand of god and there's a battle waging and the church is under attack and our homes and we've got to we've got to gear up for battle and that's where we start oh boy well john i can tell this is not your first visit, going to be your first visit with Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> this is well, our introduction. And uh, so we'll have to have you back and get down into some meat of uh, um, how how we can do this. And, and Okay. Yeah. Would you do that? Sounds would good. You do that? I would love to do it, John. Love to okay. Do it. Okay. Well, this was delightful. Thank you so much for uh, being with us and God bless you and your family continue to thank you all Bye-bye. right fantastic bye-bye well that was super oh good okay. thank you everybody so much you're listening thank to you the for joining us John Fisher on blog talk radio on the catch life to faith to get it together. God bless you. To Have a great week. Man. 
think about is these things. Think about how we can work generationally together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you. We will see you uh, next week. Bye-bye now.